is there anything you look forward to more in your week than the Game of Thrones episode? Not one thing. I wish it was Sunday every day so that it would always be Game of Thrones night. Dennis, we got a hell of an episode tonight. I'm telling you, man, they're going to all be like this. We've Holy only... freaking crap. Yeah, so so much went down. We're done place setting. Well, there was a little bit of like place setting in this episode, but uh, mostly uh, cool stuff was going on. Yeah, going, going into it, I was thinking we were going to get an, an entire episode of strategy because everybody is still laying their pieces before we get into wars. But moves have been made. Moves are made. People are starting to die. Yeah. And the game is being played. Yep. There is a a Game of Thrones. It is nuts. This episode was a perfect example of like everything that Game of Thrones does, like whether there's like sexy stuff or there's people dying or there's some mysticism going on. Yeah, we got some sex, we got some killing, we got some uh, good speeches by Varys. We we got the whole thing. All right, so let's go ahead and start jumping into this episode. The very th- very first thing we open up with is Daenerys in the strategy room. Yep. Uh, and Tyrion. So well, uh, what's uh, Oberyn's Illyria? That's her name. Illyria and the Sand Snakes. Uh, yeah, she uh, she and Yara are saying we need to go... At- well, actually, Elena is too. Her whole... All of her ladies that she has on her little council are like, we need to go attack right now. Do you agree? Uh, no. I think Tyrion is right. She doesn't want to be Queen of the Ashes. I do think the only thing Cersei is going to listen to is uh, being killed. <laughs> yeah. But, Absolutely, 100%. But I think the rest of Westeros doesn't need to be burnt down. I, For all I care, like, King's Landing can just go away. Like, get a new capital city. Everyone there, everyone hates King's Landing. Everyone there sucks. Just burn it. Yeah, but I, I kind of side with the Sand Snakes and Olenna a little bit because at this point with... Uh, with Grey Worm and the Dothraki and the Unsullied, I think they have an army. Bi- and uh, and if they combine everybody and just go take King's Landing, yeah. If they just like they they can do it. I don't. And even Tyrion was like, it would be easy to do it, but we don't want to kill everybody, right? And so like if if they had just gone, well, it turned out that they should have just gone to King's Landing. <laughs> Spoilers, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like Tyrion's whole strategy scene, though. That was a cool scene. Yeah, how he was knocking over the little pieces on the board, showing us what their strategy was and how yeah. they weren't going to use the Unsullied or the Dothraki to do anything in King's Landing, but they're going to focus on taking Casterly, Lock, Casterly Rock, and then they're going to use the Tyrells and the Dornish to lay siege to King's Landing. It's really cool. It's a really cool strategy, and it it does save the most bloodshed as far as, like, not just taking the city by force. Yeah, it, it looks great on paper, but uh, what is the, uh, what's that saying? Like, no plan survives contact with the enemy? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And basically, yeah. Uh, but I, I liked... Actually, skipping back, there was a scene with just... uh, Excuse me. There was a scene with just Daenerys, Tyrion, and Varys where Daenerys was questioning questioning his loyalty. Uh, I really enjoyed all that scene where he says, my allegiance is to the people, not the people who... Like, not the kings and queens who rule them. Um, And if I think somebody would be better at the job, then I'm going to do that. And she says, well, say it to my face. You said this exact thing last week when I brought up Varys and his intentions about how he is just a servant of the people in the realm. Mm-hmm. But it makes total sense that, like, Daenerys would say something like, you've betrayed kings in the past. Yeah, you betrayed Why my father. I... You betrayed yeah. Robert. Why should I trust you? Uh, and he gives a really good explanation, I thought. But she makes yeah. him... I liked her... Uh... Like, if you think that I'm failing the people, say it to my face. 
dude. Yeah. I really like that. I think she would be a good queen. Yeah, their conversation was very on point, and it's it's totally justified to put him on the spot and say something like that. But I, he has he has her convinced that he is by her side all the way. Yep. But and even and I think it, it goes a really long way that Tyrion is on his side as well. Yeah, Tyrion was sticking up for them the whole time. I like that too. He's yep. like he's proved himself over and over, and she's like, "Hush." <laughs> yeah. Um, so they decide that they're going to send Yara, uh, the Greyjoys, and the Dornish people back to Dorne to get their army. Um, and everybody's going to go attack. Once they have the army, they're all going to go attack Casterly Rock. Or, I mean, King's Lane. But, um, yeah, so the strategy that Daenerys laid down is, well, Daenerys and Tyrion, the, the strategy they put forth is the final say. And they have the Dornish, the Tyrells on board, and that is exactly where we leave off with them, except for Elena, where Elena gets one final bit of advice in to Daenerys before they leave. Yeah. And how did you feel about her telling her that she never, she ignored great counsel to get to where she is now? Well, she makes a good argument because she is old and she is powerful and uh, she has outlived a whole bunch of people, but I think, I mean, I think you would go, it's smart to listen to Tyrion and Varys because I think they really know their stuff, but she makes a good argument. So you don't think Tyrion or Varys have any ulterior motives at this point? No, I really don't. I think they both really believe in Daenerys. Yeah, I agree with you, but at the same time, I think something like what Elena said could drive Daenerys a little crazy and maybe tempt her to be a little, um, uh, not suspicious, just super cautious. Yeah. Uh, so just something like, they wouldn't have had that scene, I don't think, unless it's going to come up later. I, I agree. That's laying the groundwork for some tension between Daenerys and Tyrion later. Yeah. They're going to have it. Yeah. Yeah, so, that, I mean, I, I found that super interesting that they would draw attention like that. But yep. So, that really wrapped up a lot of what uh, well, Daenerys is... one more scene with Daenerys. Uh, okay. Because while she's talking to Elena, that guy bursts in and said, there's a red priestess here to see you. Oh, man. She's back, and I was more scared than ever that we were going to see that <laughs> raggedy naked body again. <laughs> For some reason... If she was just old and naked in the throne room. <laughs> I come to you as I am. Um, but it's, it's the red woman's back. Uh, Malis, Malisandra. Uh, are you happy to see her? Or did you think she was gone for good? I was hoping that she was gone for good. But this character's too interesting to just kind of do away with and not hear from until she's dead. Right. We got to figure out why she's old and young and old and young and old and young. And stuff. Yeah, the, you got to answer those questions. So she's back and she's talking about what she's seeing in the flames and she's talking about Jon Snow. And uh, just like I also another prediction I had is Tyrion does stick up for Jon Snow and vouch for him and say he's a trustworthy guy and I like him. Yeah, there were a lot of uh, a lot of questions answered this episode about how John is going to get out to Daenerys and how that they're going to meet up, and this is the first evidence of that meetup. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Melisandre says, "Hey, you need to bring Jon Snow down here and tell him like he's got a he's got a lot of stuff to tell you. Uh, it's some really scary enemies going on up there." Uh, everyone's surprised that he's the king in the north now, especially Tyrion. Well, Tyrion, he, whenever he hears Jon's name, he is super, he is taken aback. And he says, listen, I traveled with him up to the wall when he joined the Black. And I, I can vouch for him. He's a very good man. Yeah. And that's, and that's when Daenerys says that we need to meet with him, send him a, send him a raven. Yeah, she and tell said, him to come bend the knee. Come bend the knee. But what I thought was interesting is he doesn't tell him to come bend the knee. Yeah, it's true. He did not word it that way. No, because right after that, we do jump up to the north, and we can start talking about that now if you're ready. 
Yep, so we are shifting focus from Daenerys' story, and now we're going to move into Jon in, and Winterfell's story. Yeah. Uh, so he gets his raven from uh, Daenerys. We, we, I assume there's a little bit of a time jump here, unless it was a very fast raven. <laughs> yeah, you have to. I've always wondered how long like it could possibly take a raven in flight to carry any message. And there are a lot of times in this show where you'll see a raven, or you'll see somebody send a raven, and they say, uh, "Oh, we are here in King's Landing. Yes, we're sending a raven to Winterfell." What? Okay, these have these ravens have got to like. I still do not understand how. You could possibly establish this method of communication. It's ov- be- over that kind of distance. It seems impossible. Like, well, I don't know how much the dis- he says. There's a thousand miles between Winterfell and King's Landing. Is that accurate, yeah, or does he I, just mean it's a really far way? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like stuff like this is always just a contrivance for me that I have to go with. They're really. Whenever I see this in movies, they're really buff ravens. All right, they're good at flying. And they get there really fast. Expert maesters training these birds. Yeah. Maybe anyway, these are these are the Westminster Ravens of like <laughs> of like letter communication, letter <laughs> letter transportation. Yeah. Anyway, he gets a, he gets the Raven that they just mentioned sending it to him. Um. What if it's just Raven from the DCU and she just teleports every single letter in the realm? Like the Teen Titans, like Raven? Yeah. yeah. Like Teen Titans. <laughs> she just walks through the dimension. Like they don't ever show. She's always right off camera. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the, that's how like uh, these, these letters can get like back and forth so fast. <laughs> and it's totally reliable. Yeah. Them, okay. I'm... Okay, so Raven Simone delivers the uh, <laughs> delivers the letter to Jon Snow, and she's like, "That's so me." And then, uh, <laughs> well, and she's already seen how this war is going to end, <laughs> right? So she. <laughs> oh my god! So John and Davos and Sansa are dissecting this letter. Yeah. Uh, and just like anybody would on the surface, you would want to really weigh the option of going and meeting with Daenerys and whether or not this is a trap. Yeah, and John is like, I trust Tyrion, but like, I don't think he was like ever going to be like, well, yeah, sure, I'll go down there without like a just because she asked. Like, I don't think he was ever really contemplating going down there this time. At both Sansa and Davos are like, you can't, you can't just go down there. You're gonna get eaten by dragons. Well, and Sansa makes the point a little bit later on that their grandfather was killed by this very trap. Right. Exactly. And so there's absolutely no reason in the world in the world to think that this could be anything but bad intentions. Until. Until. Until he gets another raven. Which this one feels like it took a lot longer to get there. How far away is Old Town? Oh, man, I don't know. But but this one wasn't sitting until last episode. I know. Uh, but uh, he tell or this Raven says that there is a mountain of dragon glass. It's from Sam. Uh, there's a mountain of dragon glass under a dragonstone, right where he was just invited. Now he thinks he, that he probably has to go. So he calls a big meeting, and I, I guess all these lords are just staying at Winterfell forever. Like, why haven't think, why haven't they I think left? It's just, I think it's just everybody banding together, bracing for the the undead. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I I understand what you're saying, and I think that it doesn't really make sense for them to stay there right now. But I think everybody is just so scared of that attack, and all those armies are just kind of hanging out right there at Winterfell right now. Yeah. And they really don't, and they were, I think they're all the, the carryover from the Battle of the Bastards. Like, they just never went home. Right, they, they just never left. I assume they probably sent armies and stuff around to, like, go home and train the little boys and stuff, little boys and girls, I guess. Right. But, yeah, at, at least the lords are still there, like, the important people. Yeah. So, we, they dissect the letter, and they say they don't really have any conclusive 
like decision at that moment. But then they have this meeting with the Lords and he plants his foot in the ground saying, I'm going to go. Sansa stands up and Sansa and Davos are, they, they say you can't do this because of the treachery in the past. Right. Then, Every, everyone thinks he's crazy. The, uh, the one old guy says like, you can't trust the mad King's daughter. She's the mad King's daughter. Uh, you're nuts. You can't do this. Even Little Bear, even the uh, Liana Mormon is like, winter's here. Like, you can't leave us. Yeah. And then he just open. He just very sincerely says, "Listen, guys, our we, our backs are so against the wall against these undead, uh, against the the White Walkers, and none of you have seen these things. Right? I've seen them. I've fought them. We are so outmanned." To, against this undead army that we're going to need a great army to back us and we're going to need the dragon glass. We need the dragon glass. We need allies. We need, we need dragon fire. We need dragon fire. Yeah. Um, and he makes maybe the first politically good move that he's ever made uh, when he says he's leaving the North in Sansa's hands. Well, and I'm going to draw super attention to this because after he says, I'm leaving the North in your hands... Did you notice that it lingered on Baelish? Yeah, Littlefinger has a big smile on his face. Like, like I just, I had this picture of like that that dastardly mustache, and he's like twisting it in his like twist <laughs> in his mind, and he's like wringing his hands together, just like, <laughs> <laughs> and like everything is playing into his hands if he if his intentions are to be in control of the North, because if John leaves and something happens to Sansa. Does he take over? Who takes over? I don't know. Uh, I think if anything happened to Sansa, she's probably got like a um, a dead man switch where if she doesn't check in with Brienne every so often, uh, Brienne's like first order of business is to just kill <laughs> Peter Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not. I'm not sold. At, as we are sold that Tyrion and Varys are. Uh, faithful to Daenerys, I don't have any reason or faith in Littlefinger to like Sansa and John. I Sa- think he's still got some hidden uh, motives and intentions, and they're going to come up soon. Okay, yeah, I, I don't disagree, especially after uh, after John chokes him out. He uh, after John chokes him out, he's got a real like. Like, I'm planning some stuff now. Look on his face. Even if he was sincere before, I think that that choking him out was uh, turning... The last straw. Yeah, turned him away. Yeah, that's true. And I I think, yeah, if if he had any good intentions, John choking him out was like, uh, screw that. I'm going to revert back to some, like, my own personal gain and... We'll see what we'll see. We'll just see what unfolds here in the here in the next few episodes, because I think Littlefinger is going to have a huge role in what happens at Winterfell. Yeah, I agree. He I. I do think even if he had good intentions, he was intentionally kind of poking John in the ribs because he came back. He like he came down in the crypts to talk to John and he's like, I love your sister in like a really gross way. Yeah. And then John reacted badly, which is like, it, it sucks that he let Baelish get under his skin, but I think he was trying to on purpose. If you touch my sister, I'll kill you. I'll kill you myself. Yeah. The, the problem with that is we don't know how long it's going to take for John to get back from Dragonstone. And there is going to be a little bit of time that's going to allow him to have like. To get his claws. Ex- get his claws yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah, so that's about all we get out of Winterfell this week. And then we get a snippet of what's happening at King's Landing. Yeah, she has uh, Cersei, Queen Cersei, first of her name, uh, <laughs> <laughs> has uh, called the uh, the Lords of the Reach, I think is what it's called, where like... A, the Tyrells are the the main house there, but she's called all the all of her bannermen, basically. Yeah. Um, and said, hey, like, she is allied with the enemy. You need to stay true to the realm. They're going to come, like, 
the foreigner it's a foreign invasion this is really bad but like and she is usa usa she's got a really good propaganda message i she's good she's good at politics say what you want about her she is just killing it with bringing up all the negatives from the Mad King and how Daenerys is only going to follow in his steps and make the same decisions. Yeah, she running the realm. She calls uh, she calls Daenerys the Mad King's daughter like two or three times in the speech. Yeah. And that's the only way people have to refer to her because yeah. she spent all her time in Marine, and the only thing that people know are the words that like she's the Mad King's daughter and she has dragons. And when they when they traveled in the desert, they they're under the impression that they killed those people on the spikes. Right. They hung them on the. Well, she did. She she did Uh, not the slave. Those were slave people that she found. But then she did the same thing uh, to the masters there. Uh, But Cersei said she crucified hundreds and it was really only like a hundred, you know, like that's a big difference. Yeah, but that's a politi- that's, that's perfect, perfect politic- politician speak. It's good propaganda. She's good at it. Yeah. Yeah, so she is totally winning over these lords by slandering but Daenerys. But it, di- it kind of didn't work. Uh, it, yeah, but only because Tarly has, like, he has an oath to the Tyrells, right? Yeah. And last time we met him, we did not like him very much. But now he's a mega douche. Now we kind of like him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because you see that the guy has morals and he believes in like a word that was like uh, an oath that was made between his family and another family, and he's known Elena forever. Yeah, he he tell Jamie pulls him aside and they have a little heart to heart, man to man. You know. Yeah. Uh, but he Tarly basically won't say that he'll fight for Cersei. He's like, like I, I know I've known Elena since I was a little boy, and like we've always sit, like had an oath to the Tyrells. Uh, it's gonna be a tough road going forward for them. Yeah, but I think I think I think Tarly is still going to fight. Like this was just a scene to check in on King's Landing and give them some like give us something to see what they're what's going on with them. Right. And even if there was a little bit of tension between Tarly and Jamie as they were discussing if he's going to align with them or not, mm-hmm. it it doesn't matter. He's going to side with them and Cersei's going to have an army. So you think that they're going to side with King's Landing? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Because, but just because the the to build up a good army and a good bat or a good battle, you have to have numbers, and Tarly has a ton of them. Yeah, I'm He's worried. Huge. I'm worried about Elena. I don't. I don't think she's long for this world. She's super old, though. Yeah, I know, but she's such a great character. I think, like as we see later, they're going to start picking off Daenerys's allies, but they'll be too afraid to attack Daenerys directly. But they're they're going to start taking out her allies. So do you think they'll have assassins? Uh, I think, yeah, basically I think the Tyrells are going to get removed from power before any big war actually happens. Right. Well, we've already, uh, a little bit of skip forward, the Dornish look like they're going to be removed out of this. (sighs) Yeah, they sure do. Uh... But before we get there, we need to point out that Cersei and Kyburn are working on a way to fight the dragons. Oh, I forgot. And, about, I completely forgot about this. And you know what? Just as Kyburn was like revealing their big weapon, who would you have it that walks in but Bard? We have an expert arrow, like giant arrow launcher, guys. Bard <laughs> from the Hobbit movies, folks. Here, welcome him. Welcome him, him in here. Get get in here, Bard, and we're gonna enter. <laughs> We're going to interview you, and we're just going to kind of talk about you. Oh, yes, I've taken down big dragons in the past. I'm really happy to be on this team. You say you've got three dragons? So uh, I'm a marksman. So, so Bard, uh, you have experience taking out well, uh, a dragon, right? I Smaug the, uh, what was his name? Smaug the, the big baby dragon. <laughs> baby lips Smaug. 
What what did you think of the uh, the dragon skulls you saw in the crypt here? What did you think of uh, Balerion's skull? How how did it compare to Smaug? Smaug's Smaug was ten times that dragon. I could take down these dragons with one arrow. Okay, can I talk about how disappointed I am in this fantasy realm with magic and dragons and bringing back giant mountain people back from the dead? Their solution to the dragons is basically a big gun. Well, I mean, that's what you've got to do. That uh, the, the Magic doesn't extend. Like, it's it's not like uh, we just aren't that creative. And all the fans out there need to know that the most effective may not be the prettiest or it might not be the most fantasiful, but it gets the job done. <laughs> uh, all right, Bard. Why don't you head back to Lakeville or wherever you're from? All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'll see you all next week's episode. All right, thanks th- a lot, Bard. <laughs> it was nice having you in here. We uh-huh. will see you. You're going to be in the Cersei's, Hobbit, uh, the Hobbit yeah. 4. <laughs> Hobbit 4. <laughs> Smaug's back. <laughs> I hate, man, I did not like the big crossbow thing. Yeah, I really hated that, too, just because it was like, really? Yeah. You couldn't come up with some more creative way that you were going to take out these. Like, Kyburn, you yeah. brought a dude back from the dead, basically. No, it sucks. I, all they have to do is be, like, above it. <laughs> yeah, it, it really did, sucks. It really it, does. It didn't look like they could angle it or anything. I don't know. Like, if they're just high enough up in the air, they'll just move. Well, and did you hear, do you remember me saying last week that it was Drogon that took some damage? Yeah, they brought well, that up. That, yeah, and it's, and that's exactly what's, go, like, what we're going to get is, like, they're going to line the ramparts with, like, I don't know, like, 10 to 20 of these giant arrow, like, uh, what do they call these things? Um, I'm I'm calling them expos, but that's what I, that's what I call them in like uh, Clash of, Clash Royale. Okay, sure, expos. Sure. So like they're just going to line the ramparts with like ten to twenty of these things, and that's going to be their defense against the dragons. So my thing is is when the when Aegon the Conqueror came. Does Kyburn think that nobody thought of, like, making a big gun to shoot at the dragons? Does he think he's a genius for thinking of it? How much has technology progressed since then? I don't think he's a genius. I think he just went down and was like, oh, man, well, there must have been a way to take out those dragons. I wonder if if, uh, Robert may have just hidden that weapon down here. Oh, look here. There's a big old crossbow. Uh, It sucks. (laughs) Yeah, it uh, does. I, I totally agree with you because it's just like it's that reveal. It and, and it like joking I, aside, that's what they did in The Hobbit to take out Smaug. <laughs> yeah, they really did. You're ripping off another <laughs> fantasy franchise, yeah. fantasy story. I hope Kyburn gets hit with one of those bolts or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, like a practice, like a practice firing. He's just <laughs> in the range. It just hits him in the face. Yeah, uh, I. Is that all that, that happens at King's Landing? That's all we get in King's Landing, and we can go ahead and move on because there, it really was just a check-in, and then they let us know, hey, this is how we're planning to fight the dragons. All right, we got to check and, in with Sam, uh, and then we can move on to our the fun dude, the fun thing that happens. But the Sam stuff is pretty cool. Sam is like killing it with his screen time. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of stuff comes from this from this section of the episode where they're setting up a really epic character to come back. What? Okay, can I? <laughs> One of the things that happens is uh, Sam is following around around the Archmaster Jim Broadbent, um, whose name I don't think they have said except for Archmaster, uh, and he keeps handing him books. And the Archmaster mentions that he is writing the history of battles since the death of King Robert. Yeah. And Sam is like, are you sure that's what you want to call it? And Jim Broadman is like, what would you call it? And I swear to God, I thought that Sam was just going to go like, why don't you call it a Game of Thrones? But they didn't do that. Thank God. Yeah. I really thought that was going to happen. 
Uh, but they were setting up a re- <laughs> they were setting that joke up heavily. I really thought he was going to say it. I'm glad that he didn't. Uh, <laughs> but they are treating Jorah for his grayscale, and he looks pretty messed up. He looks gnarly. Yeah, yeah, he really does. He's got like some like half of his body's covered in this stuff, and they're diagnosing him. And the archmaster just flat out tells him, "Listen, you're going to live for a while." Uh, we're not worried about you dying. And then Jorah just comes out and says, what about my mind? He's like, well, you're going to go crazy really soon. And he basically, got six months, dude. He basically tells him to kill himself. He, yeah, he, point, he said, we're going to let you stay here for one more night. And then the camera pans over to the sword. Yeah. He's like, whatever you want to do. <laughs> uh, we're just going to leave you alone. Uh, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. But the only thing else in this room is a letter, a pen, oh, and that sword in the corner. Uh, we'll, we're going to leave you to your inhibitions, and uh, we'll see you in the morning. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, but he finds out uh, he does. Sam says, "What's your name?" Um, he says, "Jorah Mormont." And so Sam is like, "Oh no, I know your daddy." Yep, he watched him die. Yeah, uh, but the maester tells Sam that he cannot. He's not allowed to do. Or whatever experimental treatment Sam knows about, uh, it's forbidden. Yep. Do, you th- do you think that's going to stop Sam? Not even a little bit. Because he has done some deep diving into Maester Pylos, and there is this treatment that uh, we are unclear that it may have worked in the past or not, but it's Mormon's last hope. And I kind of wish... I kind of wish there was this, like, moment between uh, Sam and Jorah where when he walked in, he said, "How much? I wish he would have been like, how much is your life worth to you? Are you willing to go through any amount of pain to live? Do you want to play a game? You want to play a game? <laughs> you must You must shed five pounds of skin to stay alive. Yeah. But, no, he just is like, this. he, he doesn't really care about Jorah as much as he's like, this is important to me that you live because I knew your dad. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. And then we go into one of the grossest scenes that has aired in this entire show. And I loved every second of it. It was so awesome. Where we get Sam, a blade, and some like uh, like two, some like medical instruments, like slowly cutting off this like grayscale. And then they say he said that they were going to apply some kind of like medical medicine like. Uh, like ointment Yeah it, Lotion Yeah lotion <laughs> To cure uh, this And so it's just this the, This awful Like Awful slow process Of cutting off Just like cutting his of skin off Oh my gosh Just like Slowly ripping this skin off And he and is like, like Biting down on this leather strap and, and the best part is Sam's like Shh You gotta sh- be quiet You yeah. have to be quiet Sir, I I can't do anything about this. I can't help you unless you're going to be quiet. So that scene was really affecting and everything, but Milk of the Poppy exists. Like, he could have just knocked him out. Why are we going to the lengths to save Jorah? Because, I mean, we know that it's important to Sam, but why is Jorah important to the show? Uh, He just has some part left to play, I guess. Um, he, I don't know. What do you think? It has. He's going to go pursue Daenerys. They're going to have another conversation, and he's going to join in the fight. And there's going to be, he may give his life for her, or he will deliver a death blow to another main character. I just don't know who the other character would be that is that would be like some kind of poetic justice or like an epic moment that they're building up to. Yeah, I don't see him dying from grayscale. He's got to die on his feet. We wouldn't. No, no, no. If he was going to die from grayscale, they would have left him alone after. Yeah, he just wouldn't have come back from the show. Exactly. He would have never had a scene in that first episode, and he, we wouldn't have seen him this week. But we are. He is going to have some kind of. He has a part see, to play in the wars to come. I don't even feel like he has to prove himself because he has. He he was. He was initially a bad guy. Then he turned to fight for Daenerys. And then he, like, through, like, a few different actions throughout, like, Daenerys' time in Marine, like, he seemed to prove his loyal loyalty to her. And then she turned him away. Yeah. 
So um, I don't feel like he has too much to prove other than he just needs to be like clean because like a queen cannot hang out with somebody of the grayscale. That just can't happen. All right. And if he doesn't get cured, he's going to go crazy, which is exactly a pro- which is a problem. Yeah. So we they, the show is setting up some kind of big part for Jorah to play. Right. The only reason to keep him alive. Anyway, but directly after this scene with Jorah, we get a check in with Arya. And well, there. That, that scene transition is amazing. <laughs> Did it get you too? Yes. Because it was so my, good. Oh, man. My <laughs> wife was like, oh my God. <laughs> and then it's like, oh no, this guy's eating some pie. <laughs> so when we started recording, I tweeted out that we were about to record and to tweet me with any topics that you want us to talk about and the only answer i've gotten back so far is the pie transition (laughs) that's that's all anyone cares about oh Uh, man it was it was so effective and delicious yeah what a tasty pot pie it looked like (laughs) (laughs) but we get these two guys having a conversation about going to king's landing did you catch anything that they said that would have, that was important to Arya? I didn't. I want to watch that again because she was definitely listening to their conversation, but I don't remember what they said. Yeah, I don't either. I it, I think that they were. I think they were just establishing that she was there listening in on speak about King's Landing, mm-hmm. and as she's eating, Hot Pie walks up. Yeah, a fan favorite Hot Pie. <laughs> out of all of the polls that I've sent out. To the fans of Game of Thrones to say, <laughs> if you could bring back one character, it would be Hot Pot. It would be hot, he, he comes up time and time again. I know. Not Gendry. No, not I was, like I was gonna say the same thing. Where is Gendry? If you can bring back Hot Pot, like what is Gendry doing? Yeah, <laughs> but I, I I thought Gendry was gonna get brought up in this scene. Yeah, but no. The there was a lot of exposition dealt out to Arya. Um, I want to know how she knows that Cersei's the queen, but she doesn't know that Jon's the king. But it, whatever, it's fine. It might just be a time thing. Yeah. I don't, I mean, Hot Pie knew. Yeah, Hot Pie knew. It was uh, big news. Yeah, and it was great because she's just like, sit down, Hot Pie, and then she just starts stealing food. <laughs> yeah, give me the ale. <laughs> yeah. So they start talking about what's going on in the realm. Um. And, and she brings up, and she talks about how she's going to go to King's Landing. And, he's, and he says, I thought you would be going north. And at this point, I almost jumped out of, or jumped off of the couch because I was so happy. Uh, how great is it at the prospect of having John, Sansa, and Arya in the same room? And Bran, too, maybe. We could have the four living Stark people all having a big group hug. I think that that's going to happen. I hope so. Except for, I think Bran and Arya will get there at about the same time, and Jon will still be gone. So we'll have the three actual Stark children, like the yeah, and they'll do a big group hug. And then Jon returns, and there's gonna, it's just going to be a big Stark party. Yeah, I hope when so. When they're back and partying, and it's going to be great. Like all the Starks finally back together, ruling the North as it should be. It'll be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be so good. But, like, that's all we really get out of this scene with Hot Pie. He, uh, yeah, she, there's a great scene where she is right outside of the bar, and she looks south, and she looks north, and she looks south, and then she turns north. And I was so happy that, like, she actually, she listened to her friend, and she went up, and she's going to go find her family. Instead of killing people... Which I was worried about her if she continued on this. I'm gonna indiscriminately murder people. Path. Yeah. Well, uh, and I mean, how much? Okay, so it, let's let's play the other side where she does not make the decision to go north. That mm-hmm. d- does that shock anybody? No, because I don't think it should. It wouldn't have surprised me at all. Because like all that training she had with the God of Many Faces, I feel like it just she should be emotionless at this point. Yeah, uh, it would not. It would not have surprised me one bit if she had decided to go to go south and kill Cersei. Um, but I think that I think that uh, that's gonna give Cersei a little bit longer lifespan because if Arya wants you dead, you're gonna die. That's true. That, that and that no, you just brought up a really good point because had she gone south, she could have ended 
like Cersei's rule faster than what this show is going to like draw out. That's true. It Which w- is yeah, and it's pretty key. That's pretty huge. Yeah, I guess now that when you talk about it like that, it makes a lot of sense that she would have to be turned north by something. But uh, it's cool. I'm fine oh, with it. I want. That makes so much sense for this show because it's like, had she gone south, this season may just be over. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, she either would have succeeded in killing Cersei and Cersei would be dead, which would end the show, I guess, or yeah. uh, she would have failed and then Arya would be dead and that would be worse. Yeah, <laughs> but we don't have to. We don't even have to imagine that reality where there's well, a success or failure in that assassination attempt. She is going to Winterfell, and what? Ha- who does she encounter on her way? She, uh, she's making a fire, and she looks very cold because it's winter, and her horse starts freaking out. And you have met my fiance. She's very into horses. Okay, and she was like. <laughs> She's like, listen to your horse. She's, you, you, if your horse is freaking out, something's very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I was cracking up. Uh, but then there's a big pack of wolves, which is scary. Yeah, this, there's these, these like very hungry wolves, like snarling, just ready to eat her. Yeah. Uh, and then there's one of the wolves is uh, a big, a very big girl. A very, very big girl looks like 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 this little Arya couldn't take on, but it just happens to be Nymeria, her direwolf. Her direwolf, yeah, that is crazy. I thought her wolf got beheaded. No, that was Sansa's wolf, right? And that that struck me, and I was like, oh my gosh, there's still a direwolf that's alive. Yeah. Now in the books, uh, they haven't met up, but Arya does have dreams. About Nymeria running a wolf pack in the woods. Yeah. So I guess this is the show's way of tying that up. Um, yeah, but they don't. T- they they don't. They don't stay together. No. Nymeria leaves her. No. She's so she's moved on. She's doing her own thing. And that's. I, I think that. I think that probably shocked everybody that the wolf didn't join her and leave her wolf pack. But uh, uh, it kind of mirrors. Do you think it kind of mirrors what, like, Arya's arc is, where, like, she has her own life and needs to, li- like, live her own thing? Well, on the other hand, Nymeria does stay with her pack, so maybe it's saying Arya needs to rejoin her pack. Yeah? Because there, I mean, I feel like the the show did that super intentionally as, like, look at this, look at what this wolf is doing. Arya, you should do the same thing and go home. I'm not coming back with you, yeah. but you need to go rejoin your pups. Not your pups, but, like, your your brothers and sisters. Do you think John is going to take Ghost down to Dragonstone when he goes? No, I don't think so. I think yeah. he'll just... Uh, I don't think so. I wish he would. Yeah. I like Ghost. That'd be nice. Ghost is a really cool wolf. So that's all we get of Arya. And are we moving into the last character of this show? Yeah, we got the last one, segment. One last little segment with uh, the Greyjoys on the high Grey seas. Greyjoys just having a joyful time, drinking and hanging out with Illyria. Pirates of the Seven Kingdoms. Yep. Uh, we get some banter between Illyria and Yara. They're mm-hmm. just hanging out, drinking, and Theon's just kind of hanging out. And what, what, wouldn't you have it? Here comes another another uh, pirate army shows up. Uncle Euron. Uncle great good old Uncle Euron shows up to break up the party. <laughs> yeah, and he does a very good job of it. Holy crap, he does. Like he kicks down the what do you call that? The gang pl- what is that the the thing that connects the two ships? Yeah, the gangplank ship. Sure. We'll call he, it he that. Call, like he kicks over a bridge and walks on just and it, like it lands on somebody. Yeah, he killed, like, what's that dude doing? <laughs> no, no. How did he not see it coming? God, oh, that's crazy. But, like, he just comes on there like a madman. Uh-huh. And, yeah, but- like, his folks are murdering fools left and right. Yep. And he, uh, he, he just, well, Yara and Theon start fighting. Uh, the sa- even the Sand Snakes come up, start killing people. Yeah. Uh, there's just a huge fight. Uh, and at one point, Theon looks 
like uh, or Theon or Yara, one of them looks at the rest of the boats and like they're all on fire. There's a they're just fighting each other. It looks awesome. Yeah. This is uh, this is awesome. This is so sweet that this is the first big battle we're going to get in this uh, this season. Mm-hmm. The war started. And it, Here it is. It looks so epic. Yeah, because like they show all the ships burning. You've got this hyper violent like action happening when people are like people getting like limbs cut off, chopped in half, and you got Yara and Euron just like cutting people down. And the crazy thing is, like, the Sand Snakes are attacking Euron, and he's just taking these blows. I know. He gets cut and whipped and stuff several times, and he doesn't go down. He got, he got stabbed in his crotch. Yeah. They showed a knife go right into his pecker. <laughs> I, that might have been somebody else. I don't think he took that hit. Oh, I, the, I, the the way they were filming it, it made it look like he was the one that took that, but you're probably right. Because I don't think any man would be standing after that kind no. of Mm-mm. stab. There's arteries up in there that you need to lift. Yeah. But, uh, like... Just all of his hyperaction is awesome. Uh, he he does manage to kill two of the Sand Snakes. I don't know their names. Uh, yeah. But they, he, he kills Spear one and Whip one. Yeah, and they one of them just gets choked. The other one gets stabbed. He kills both of them with their own weapons, which is... Yeah. I mean, it's badass, but it sucks for them because I like them. Yeah, and we leave off where... Uh, the pirates have taken Illyria and the youngest one, one. of the daughters. Yeah, yeah I don't captive. Know, I don't know their names. She has knives. Yeah. The- <laughs> so we know that they've taken them captive. And then the end of this scene is a face off between Euron and Theon. And Euron has Yara by the neck with, or holding a, a, uh, an axe to her neck, ready to kill her. Yeah. And, and he says, come and get her. And. Theon, there's not much he could do, but he manages to do possibly the wimpiest thing he is could do. Is it the do. wimpiest and the best thing? I don't know. If he turns this around, maybe maybe he has a plan and he thinks this is his only course of action. I don't know. It was definitely cl- like a very much in like classic Reek fashion yeah. to do something like he, this. He starts reeking out a little bit. <laughs> Oh, man, I wish I could, like, <laughs> like every single time I ever saw, like, something happen, like, earlier in this show, I could I, I wish I could have been saying, oh, man, he's totally reeking he's out. Re- he's reeking out on this one. But he, ju- he jumps overboard, and Euron dies laughing. He just busts out laughing. He thinks it's hilarious. Do you think he killed Yara, or does he keep her captive with um, Illyria? I think he's keeping her captive. Uh, so last episode, so Euron did promise Cersei a gift. So he's bringing her Illyria, who killed her daughter. Uh, and that's the gift, yep. I guess. Yep, yep. I think, I think you're right. Uh, I was try- like, At the end of the episode, I was saying to myself, is this the gift that, uh, that Euron was referring to? And it does totally make sense. I mean, I was thinking it was going to have something to do. It, and it is, a big, it is a portion of Daenerys' army. Right, two portions. Yep. So, so they knocked out some more sea, some more sea support, and you knocked out you knock out the Dornish. Yep. By taking these folks, and so this is a pretty crippling like hit. Yeah, and I think it's really gonna piss Daenerys off. But yeah, she already sent her army up to uh, Casterly Rock, I think. So she won't be able to attack King's Landing for a little while unless she just uses dragons, which I hope she doesn't do. I just wanted to be smart. I just yeah. I wanted to be smart. Just don't do something like the, if there's anything like between Sansa and Daenerys, just don't be stupid. Don't do something bad. I know. I trust them any- both, but they're both kind of impulsive, so I don't know. Yeah. So that is how the episode ends. Is there anything that we need to say about uh, Grey Worm and Missende's sexy time? They do. I don't think I- they get it on, but it it doesn't. It's I guess it's important character moments, but. I guess so, because if we're looking at like if we're building relationships of like love between two characters that are going to that'll lose each other or fight for one or fight for one another. Yeah, this is a relationship. Um, 
Are there any other love stories going on right now? Not really. Yeah, because they already, they basically offed Dario. Yeah, they've offed. <laughs> I don't think any, but I guess Cersei and Jamie, did they count? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, th- I really, yeah. Uh, Brienne and uh, <laughs> Torment. That's a love oh, story. man. That's a love story for the ages. Yeah, we're going to get that one. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to have big, giant babies. <laughs> so, uh, the, guys, this was a, I mean, every, like you said, like, we're going to get this for the rest of this season. We have four more episodes. Oh, my God. It's not enough. Nope, we have one more month of Game of Thrones before it goes away again for a long time. But I'm loving what we're getting. I'm glad they're taking their time. They're giving me a story that I'm fully invested in and I'm going along with, other than dumb dragon weapons. Yeah, that's the worst part of the episode for sure. But I'm excited. Uh, yep. I'm excited. I was excited to see the dragon like layer or whatever wear all the skulls, but I hated that stupid weapon. Uh, I'm excited for next week. I think we're gonna get to see more battles. Uh, John's gonna meet Daenerys. Yeah, John is gonna meet Daenerys, and that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be a scene f- for the ages. Yeah, it's gonna be so sick. I'm so excited. But that's it for this week, folks. Hopefully, you enjoyed our discussion and this recap. Uh, if you wanna tweet at us do that please go on itunes and give us reviews if you like this or if you don't like this let us know yeah uh, this has been our twitter is at binge underscore pod um we'll have more information how to contact us on twitter in the uh the description uh for this week i've been garrett hale i'm dennis mcgee and binge moderately my friends bye Binge in Moderation is a part of the Weird Mountain Podcast Network. If you want to talk to the guys on this show, check them out on Twitter. It's at BingePod, B-I-N-G-E-P-O-D. If Facebook is more of your thing, you can talk about this and any of the other shows on this network on our unofficial Facebook forum. That's Facebook.com slash Podcast. Also online at WeirdMountainPodcast.com. Thanks, Darren. 